Welcome to my Teacher Friends podcast. My name is John Peschel, and as I enter my 21st year of teaching, I wanted to create a podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Jill. I've known Jill for 17 years now, so let's start with a little about you. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your educational history, where you went to school, other professional jobs that you've had leading to where you are now. So I call myself a product of public education. I've started going to school, pre-K, and went to the same elementary school, Went stayed in the same system. Um, graduated I did, from, I did too. Yeah. Same thing, like kindergarten all anymore. the way, right, all the way up. Yeah. And then I graduated from a Godwin Heights High School, shout out to the Fighting Wolverines okay. in Wyoming, Michigan. Um, kind of loved my area, so I stayed and went to Grand Valley State University. That's, again, where my brothers went, kind of following, kind of in a safe, comfortable, the footsteps of my brothers that mm -hmm. I was in my whole life. Um, finished school there, stayed right on, got my graduate degree from the same place. So public education is in my blood. It's something I believe in. And I guess I always knew I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was probably born. Like it's just always been in my blood. I remember my mom and dad had a ping pong table for us kids and it would be set up kind of like not in ping pong operation, but like a chalkboard. And I would play school with my animals downstairs, and the ping pong table was a really great chalkboard. So, I was going to ask that. So you're the youngest. Youngest. And yep. so who were your students? Like, as I was an oldest, oh, right? Gosh. So I always had my brother and younger yeah. cousins were my yeah. my students in the classroom. Who did you have? You had stuffed animals? Well, my mom always did daycare, and so I always had kids. She would always have probably eight kids, like five and under, so I pretty much ran a preschool, I think. Okay. Um, and I would read to them and... So it was pretty natural, I think, because my mom always always had daycare. So I think I watched her deal with little kids, and that was always something that I wanted to do, too. Did so. your parents go to college? No. no. And so um, talk to me about that, right? Yeah. Like, was it just always an accept, uh, expectation that you would go on to college? What, what was that like? I would say yes. Um, it was really important to my parents that, I guess, that we all, all, all Three of us were college educated, um, and I grew up in a house where there was a lot of love, but not a lot of financial support. But I never knew that. Like it, that, that's not what I felt. I didn't feel like, oh gosh, I don't have what other kids have. I just felt like I can do anything. I think some amazing you know? parents can can really um, embrace the love mm -hmm. and let you only see that. Yeah, right? Like absolutely. they can I don't know if hide it is the right word, but they they can just let the love surround you. Yeah. And my dad especially was always the kind of guy who watched PBS every night and he knew lots about interesting topics and so I learned a lot of create like to be creative and to, you know always want to learn more through him and even now we talk about like oh my gosh, did you watch Nova? Okay. And you know the rest of my family rolls their eyes when I make them watch Nova, but right. I try to bring that into the classroom, too, because I feel like kids need to see us always learning and always being inquisitive and just wanting to know more, because mm -hmm. there's always more to know. So how did you get to Wisconsin? Yeah, so my husband, um, we were all settled, had a house. Um, I had a teaching job in Michigan. I was teaching special education, which I just adored. 
and he said, I want to go to grad school in Wisconsin. And I, his favorite <laughs> quote ever is, I'm like, I'm not moving to Wisconsin. And I rolled my eyes. And then right. two months later, our house is for sale. And here we are. And I just can't imagine not being in such a cool town. Like, Well, that's where we met at, yeah. at your first teaching job in Wisconsin, yep. right? Um, do you remember anything from that interview? Oh. It was with Shirley. I remember, but were you there? I, I don't think I was there. Okay. No. no, I do remember. Um, what, do you, what do you remember like, about those? Yeah, I was interviewing for a separate job. I was actually interviewing to be um, a kindergarten special education teacher. And then Shirley was the principal at the time, mm-hmm. and she wanted me to be a fifth grade special ed teacher. I had just finished a master's program in pre-primary education, and I'm like, I just couldn't believe. I thought I had the other job nailed. And right. Then, I got a call like, I want you to teach fifth grade. And I was just kind of scared out of my mind, but I needed a job. And yeah. So what jobs have you had while you've been in Wisconsin, right? Because you've had several different Mm -hmm. jobs. So I initially taught um, LD, fifth grade, and I was one of the first teachers to do something called um, cross-categorical, which was, it's now a thing, but Mm -hmm. I was the first one to try it out in Sun Prairie just because I didn't have a learning disabilities degree. So what is cross-categorical? Yeah, cross-categorical is where it's kind of like the alphabet soup. Instead of um, like being a special ed teacher that like only can teach in their certified area, you you teach all kids with an IEP within a grade level. Okay. And it's, so regardless of um, exceptional need, correct. you were their go-to. Correct. Okay. And so I think that's kind of the norm now just because it's hard to find special education teachers kind of historically in the country. This is where people are going. Um, and then a regular ed classroom opened up, and it was always my dream. I was in love with my third grade teacher, Mrs. Heisinger. Like, okay. she was my dream, and a third grade job opened, and like I had to have it. And I taught third grade for a really long time. I don't know, probably seven, eight years. And then I left the classroom to be an instructional coach. Oh, but I have to go back because you and right. I you forgot about our. Oh my gosh, our our uh, uh, looping. looping back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I just have to say, John has always been like. One of my marigolds, I'll take. Thank you. Yes. We always promised each other we weren't, weren't going to be crusty. Right. right. We were going we to always be the be, positive right. people in the building. <laughs> and so we were looping partners, and that was fantastic. So second and third grade, yeah. I would be in one and Joe would be in the other, and we would loop up with our yeah. kids into that. So we did that a few cycles. A few cycles. And then um, then we just kind of settled in, right? I think you went to I think you went to a new building. I went to That's a new when building. you went to a new okay. building. So after third grade, what was your next job? Then I became an instructional coach. So okay. I decided I wanted to leave the classroom. And it was kind of a literacy coach. We call it instructional coach in our building where you um, mentor veteran teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was ready for a change. I think I was at this point in my life where I had taught for about 15 years. And, it, and sometimes you do. You get into that... Like, I've been doing this a long time. What else is out there? Um, and I really did like it. It was, but what I found is I had a lot of meetings and I, I was missing the kid connection in like more personal ways. Like I was around kids all day, but I wasn't Mrs. Schmoll to them. I was just some lady walking in the hallway. And right. that's not what gets you up in the morning, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I just needed to get back to my roots and to make connections with kids. And so I, now I'm a first grade teacher. And which shocks me because <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever like to go back in the younger grades. And right. you kind of go into where positions open and yeah. I did it, but I was really scared out of my mind. And I literally am in love with it. Like I can't imagine leaving first grade at this point because it's just magical. Um, well, 
you know, this is kind of the start of the school year. Uh, this mm-hmm. this episode will go up in early September. Um, and when you think back to your first years of teaching, now this may be when you started in Michigan or maybe when you came here to Wisconsin, but who did you lean on through those first few years? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I didn't really have teachers in my family. I feel like sometimes you have a, like a parent. I feel a lot of people go into teaching because they've had someone close in their family. So I didn't have that. Um, I guess I had, you know, colleagues that I worked with. I had a couple colleagues that I think back in Michigan who were just amazing people and were veteran teachers. But we also, I live far away. It was like a 45-minute commute for my first job, so I didn't really know people within that community. So I think I went right to grad school right away. So I really connected with the people I was in classes with, okay. which was interesting in a way because I had a completely different job than most of them because I taught um, in a... It was a center-based program, so my kids were ages 3 all the way up to 18, nonverbal. Um, most of them were in wheelchairs, tube-fed. It was very, very different. It was very clinical. What were the ages? Um, I had my youngest was 3, okay. and then my oldest was 18, and they were all wow. like in diapers. Okay. I had four paraprofessionals, which is crazy out of the gate to be managing a That's a lot, with a lot to of handle. Adults. Right. So you're you're what, 23, 24 yeah, at this time? I was 23. Wow. And, you know, you think you know it all, but I knew right away, like day one, I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the ladies I was working with, they had all been in this building for probably, you know, 15, 20 years. Right. And I knew, like, they're in charge <laughs> like, right. for a while. because, right. And I think that was important for me to realize. I didn't try to come in being the person, like, with all the answers and I would say that's okay. Being humble is a good thing because mm. sometimes it's okay not to know and just to be honest about that. I think that's a wonderfully unique quality for a 23-year-old mm-hmm. to think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I was shaking like a leaf back then too. Right. And it was a survival <laughs> mode, but but I think that's okay because I feel like new teachers feel like they have to come out the gate being the expert already. But, you know, half of what you get as a teacher comes through your experiences. And you just become wiser every year. I, I, I applaud you for having the confidence at that time to think that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had to grow into mm-hmm. that. But I think it was the job. I mean, it was really, really intense. Um, I remember I had one kid named Timmy. I'll never forget him. He was probably 16 at the time, and he had a multitude of um, difficulties. Um, one of them was kind of some form of Tourette syndrome, but he was nonverbal, probably had cognitively about, I would say, less than a one-year-old. And he would have seizures multiple times a day. And, like, he would just thrash his body. Like, he just couldn't control it because of his cerebral palsy. And he would just shout out swear words randomly throughout the day, things that he had heard at home. And here I am, like, fresh out of college, like, oh, my gosh. Like, how is this going to work? And I just remember (laughs) he would take off his, like, his shirt, and he would just be sweating all day long. And meanwhile, I would have, you know... 10 other kids in my room. It was just such a right. unique experience that... You just had to learn on your feet. There was no yeah, warm-up. There, there was, was no, no warm-up. Yeah. There was no on-ramp to this. Yeah. It was just, you know... But I look back at my student teaching experience, and I had such a rich one in a similar classroom with... Um, his name was Ward. Ward Paul. He was my supervising teacher. And, like, I just remember he had just this... He exude, exuded love. You know, it was just, like, complete acceptance, love. And, and our job... In, in that situation and in, in my first job was just to be like a loving face 
and it, it was a different set of educational goals so like it was it wasn't you know like standardized test based at all it was just helping them with functional behaviors and just helping them to have joy in their day mm-hmm. and it was joyful it was intense but it was a joyful intense Lots of stories about that. That's a whole that's, other Right. Podcast, no, that's but. awesome. Um, well, we're going to move on to our next yeah. uh, section. We're going to do a little uh, a little game, if you're up for it. I'm up for it. Okay. So as a kid, um, I remember panicking about having to do third grade multiplication timed oh, tests. Yes. It was like so challenging yes. for me. So today, we're going to flip the deck and you're going to have a timed test. Okay. You have one minute, 60 seconds, to answer as many questions as you can. Okay. If you want to elaborate, you certainly can. Otherwise, we'll just kind of do rapid let's, fire. Let's do okay? Um, and I have my timer here, so the timer okay. will hopefully go off after one minute. Ready? Ready. All right. Your favorite book to read aloud to your students? Hmm. The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. I could have guessed yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite month of the school year? I really love October. I don't know. Just, it's the fall season. Okay. I don't know. Everyone's just really kind of in their groove and like things are moving and clicking, but it's still fresh. Favorite subject or topic to teach? Mm, I love, love teaching reading. Okay. Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Mm, read. Read, <laughs> like yes. Like read for my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Um, school lunch. Always, sometimes, never. Always, but... Um, Usually fast. <laughs> okay. Teacher's lounge. Always, sometimes, never. Um, it depends. Um, I definitely eat with colleagues, though. We find a spot in the building. Um, going into school on the weekends. Always, sometimes, never. This answer has changed. It used to be always. <laughs> now it's getting to be hopefully never. Excellent. Maybe sometimes, though. That's it. Woo! That's the end. You have awesome. made it through um, your timed test. That was fun. <laughs> that wasn't too bad, right? Interesting. I, that's an interesting question. My favorite month of the year, though. Yeah. Okay. That answer might change, but I still, I'm sticking with October. Still sticking okay. with October. All right. I never thought about that. So now it's time for teacher tips, where each of us will give one tip to the listeners to try. Um, what's a teaching tip? Something that has worked for you in your classroom environment. Yeah. So I want to talk about parent communication and I call it easy parent communication. Mm-hmm. Now I am a parent and I, I get annoyed when I have too much coming home because I can't keep up with it all, but I know parents want to stay in the loop. So at the beginning of my career, I had Mrs. Schmoltz weekly update and I would update I did too. it weekly. Every week we would do right? like a Microsoft publisher. Yeah. We'd do this fancy little weekly right. newsletter that would take what, probably hour, hour and a half yeah, a week it was ridiculous. to do. Right. Okay. And I don't know. I was in the same boat. They might. They people read it, some didn't, and you know, I, I guess <laughs> oh, no. I assume they read it. But right. I think I've I've taken away the word weekly, and I do send out an update, but it's more like every other week. I don't really even give it a time frame. I just try to send something out twice a month, um, and I do more just mass emails, just quick like shoot thing shoot information out um, to people's phones, and I feel like people really appreciate that. I've been giving getting feedback from parents last year, like, oh, I love it that it's electronic now because. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking as a parent, like if we can get rid of one more newsletter coming home to people that gets stuck in a paper pile and it drives people crazy. I guess the other tip is just, I share more personally about myself now. Like when I shoot out my little Mrs. Schmolt weekly update, 
I'm just being funny, not weekly. Right. Um, but I always kind of like do a quick paragraph in my email about what I'm up to with my family. Like I might say something like, oh gosh, like we have a karate belt test this week. You know, I just, I feel like sometimes we aren't super personal with parents and they want to know our lives. Like we're with their kids sometimes more than they are during the day. They want to know who you are, like what you're up to. I know my husband and I went to see Green Day last April and I even shout out in my update I'm like so excited going to see Green Day in St. Paul this weekend and I got more replies to that email like <laughs> oh my gosh Green Day I'm so happy for you so I think don't be afraid to go a little informal sometimes you know obviously you have to balance it with what's appropriate but they want to know our lives and I think that helps you connect really with like your parents a little deeper because they see you not just as Johnny's teacher but oh my gosh, like she's a really cool person or, you know, she is this hobby. I, I can relate with that. So I love that. I think that's really smart. And I know that when I first started uh, teaching, that was something that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I really let people know me as a person. And I feel like that would have helped with a lot of relationships, relationships with students, relationships with parents yeah. and that comfort, right? Because they're re- they're they're loaning us their precious children yes. for hours a day. Yeah, and you, we really do see their kids more than they do. I mean, that's just how it is in modern society. So I think yeah. it's a good thing to create some rapport. With I love it. I love it. Great tip. Um, my tip is um, a website. It is gonoodle.com. Mm-hmm. I know that you use this. Every day. Um, and a lot of classrooms that I work with um, use this. One of my favorite, um, do they call them channels? Yeah. And then one of my favorite channels, categories, categories is um, Massimo. He does a lot of yoga and mindfulness. Um, I have seen it really used successfully second, third, fourth grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my favorite channels or, or stations inside Go Noodle, but it's free to yeah. use. Great little brain break. Most of the videos are just a few minutes long. Yeah. And when you're transitioning kids from one subject to another, it can be a really great way to kind of like lighten things up yeah. and connect with kids. What are some of the fun yeah, ones well, at I first grade? I use Go Noodle, and yeah. one thing I do is I always have like the helper of the day. And when it's brain break time, if you're the helper, you get to pick which one we do that day. And like, oh, that's been really popular okay. and that kind of helps you to know what kids like because right. things I probably would have picked, like they don't love, like right. they literally pick the same ones over and over, okay. but first graders like repetition. They don't, so, they don't need variety at no. that age, right? So I, they, yeah. I don't know. There's a way to get some choice in there too. And that was a big deal for awesome. them. So if you haven't checked out Go Noodle, I totally uh, recommend you checking that out. Yeah. My other, I do have one more website. Yeah. Um, it's Storyline Online okay. and it's, Storybooks read by Hollywood actors. It's funded by the Screen Actors Guild. Okay. And they read picture books. And it kind of will vacillate between, like, you know, the actor, their face, and, like, you know, the picture book. And it's just really engaging. My favorite is, like, Kevin Costner reads a book about baseball. Like, it's just awesome. It's great and it's free. Okay. And every time I check it, they add more books. So I bet there's probably 50 titles now. And what's it called again? It's called Storyline Online. Storyline Online. I'll yeah. make sure that I'll put that on the website so people can keep people can check yeah. those out. Um, it's time for a commercial break. So we will be right back after this. Did you know that Rodan and Fields is the number one skincare brand in the U.S.? With four regimens, there are solutions to every skincare need. Each regimen provides your skin with the right ingredients, in the right amount, in the right order, and lasts more than 60 days. Preferred customers save 10% and receive free shipping and handling. 
With a 60-day empty bottle money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. For me, the reverse regimen with the active hydration serum changed my skin. I look younger, my skin tone is better, more even, and the discoloration from sun damage has faded. As an added bonus, my confidence and self-esteem has improved. I couldn't be more pleased with my results. Everyone can have better skin. And it starts with reaching out. I can be found on Facebook at John Peschel, that's J-O-H-N-P-E-S-C-H-L, or by email, myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Mention this podcast, My Teacher Friends, when you contact me and receive a special gift with your first PC order. Rodan and Fields, life-changing skincare. Hi, this is Connor. Here are some jokes for all the teachers out there. What is a math teacher's favorite sum? Summer! Why did the Eminem go to school? Because he really wanted to be a smarty. Why is six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> and now, back to the podcast. My teacher friends. Well, they're not my teacher friends, but that's the name of the show. And we're back. Our next section is called our deep dive. Each week, I will be asking the guest to talk about something that's in their heart and on their mind in the world of education. So, Jill, what would you like to share with um, our listeners today? Yeah. Um, I think that you asked me this question last week, and right. like, kind of what popped in my head right away was just work-life balance, because I think this is something that is just, it's a huge topic in education right now, and not just education, I think, across the board, um, just for people's lives, but I think it hits teachers really front and center, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. It's September. You know, we're all excited. We can't wait to get back into our jobs, but we all know like what happens around November is it starts to feel like a job sometimes and not like your passion. So that's what I wanted to talk about today is just how do you balance your school life with who you are outside of school? And what I see sometimes, and this happened to me too, is I think... As teachers especially, we kind of like things to go a certain way. We like to be planned. We like everything to be in order. Um, but I think sometimes it's okay to like live with a little bit of chaos. Um, I was listening to a podcast, because I love podcasts, last week. On, it was Hidden Brain, and they were talking about how a little bit of chaos in your life is actually really healthy. And I think as an elementary school teacher in particular, I'm surrounded by chaos. And there's this little voice inside of me that just says, if you just, you know, stay a little light later today and get the room really organized, like tomorrow will be smoother. Or if you just come in over the weekend and just have everything all set, like it's going to, it's going to be a way better week next week. And I think there's a little value to that, but I don't think we'll ever be able to get a handle on like all the loose strings that happen in, in a classroom, mm-hmm. K-12. Right. Um, and I think teachers get really defeated by that feeling. Sometimes you leave the day and you just are like, oh my gosh, like. I just didn't have a great day or I just didn't give them my all or, oh, if only I would have done that. And that can kind of consume you as a person. So for you, do you have like 
the non-negotiables, like mm-hmm. the things that you need in place and then the the things that you're comfortable letting go a little bit. Do you yeah. have it divided up Absolutely. that way? How, how do you do yeah. How do you manage that? I think for me, I like every week I have kind of a penciled in schedule. I really like to have, like they're not complete lesson plans because that's a joke. <laughs> like we, You have to go with kids. I don't think it's even professionally great to have lesson plans locked in stone for a week just because you have to be responsive to who's in front of you and you might need to go over things again. But I always kind of have a trajectory of where I want to be by the end of the week. That That's a non-negotiable for me. Okay. And that, you know, at least So you feel good about having that before you leave for the weekend? Correct. or Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Um, I think that's really important. Just, I you can't just go willy-nilly and just say, oh, wherever the kids take me. Like, I have to get through curriculum. Right. That I'm in charge of that. I also really like to have the room kind of picked up a little bit before I leave. I'll, I'll spend a little extra time, like on Friday during my prep time, just kind of So for you, up. that really, that kind of settles yeah. you. But I also think it settles kids. I think, you know, it's a our learning environment that we create for kids. Like, a lo- it, it's not just for us. Like, we all know that we learn best when we are in a room that is functionally neat. I say functionally neat because... Like, I'm not the neatest person in the world. My husband will vouch for that. But I've had to overcome some of that. And But I also think there's sometimes we can be too neat and we forget that, like, it's like your house. It has to have a lived-in feel, but it has to be functional. So with that, then what are some things on the other end that you, that you kind of think, um, I need to let this go. I need mm-hmm. to let chaos be here. Mm-hmm. What, what part of your, your teaching world yeah. lives in that? I would say... I'm a big believer of um, having kids somewhat take you where they need to go. Like sometimes it's that hand up that you're like, oh gosh, I already know what I want to say here. I don't really want to even call on this kid because they're going to take me to a tangent. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you have to go with it because, you know, it's it's this yin-yang between right. being um, like – you want to be purposeful, but you also want to go where the kids take you. I, so I that's part that. of that pencil yeah. lesson planning that you kind Absolutely. of talked about, right? So that where the conversation goes, where the interest mm-hmm. is, where the learning is, you're flexible to go yeah. there. Because it's engagement too, mm-hmm. right? You want to make sure that the kids are with you. So, but again, you also have to know your content area. So I think, you know, especially this year, we have a brand new math program. So I know I'm going to be taking home some math binders to do some reading, mm-hmm. you know, at night a little bit. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's a healthy thing to do too, because you just don't have enough time during your day yeah. to kind of get that all in. Yeah. Um, but I would say the big thing to me is I see a lot of, especially people starting out, um, staying really, really late, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that can become a trap too. And I was there. Like I, I was one of those people sometimes who would stay till five thirty, six o'clock. And that's okay to do every now and then, but you also have to make sure that you stay true to what makes you tick because that's what makes you your best teacher. I know for me it's yoga and working out, and I always make sure I carve out time, like, you know, three or four days a week to, I want to make sure I hit that five o'clock yoga class. You know, I could stay and work late, but that's not going to make me good for my kids if I'm neglecting that part of me. But also you want to be with your family. You know, I don't want my kids to to not have memories of us making dinner at night or reading that book or, you know, watching that show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there was a, t- yeah, there was a time when I really struggled to figure out what did help me decompress after mm-hmm. a day. And, um, it was hard for me to like 
unwind when I left oh, because yeah. I didn't have that yoga or yeah. that way of discon- disconnecting. So over your career of mm-hmm. t- 20 years, 22 years? This is my, we're the same, 21st okay, tw- year. Okay, 21st yeah. year. Um, so what are some other things that you've done? So yoga has been is a thing kind of right now. Yep family but when we were young and we didn't have family you just had a husband what were some of the things that helped you um you know rejuvenate after a challenging day and like let go of the thoughts and the worries that are associated with teaching yeah i think sometimes it depends on your personality i know Mm -hmm. some people like they just want to pick up the phone and talk to a friend like that could be your thing um i love walking my dog you know i think that's one of my things too i just and i find i don't even want anything on like I don't want my headphones on I don't want music I just want quiet and nature and I think that's a really good thing um so I think it depends on like who you are but you you always have to kind of do an inventory like what brings you joy I heard someone saying I don't even know where this came from but you have to think about something that you really love to do and then ask yourself the last time you did it and for Mm. a lot of people it's like oh gosh like maybe a couple months ago right like that's not okay like Mm -hmm. you have to be true to what brings you joy and yeah. take some quiet time to think about that for me i'm working on um the walking mm-hmm. walking is very therapeutic mm-hmm. for me i usually have podcasts or music playing um but that really helps the other thing that i'm trying to be better at is when i am watching something on tv or doing something that my phone is in another room yep i agree um it's it's still a challenge I still catch myself checking emails at 10 o'clock at night, but I'm working hard to disconnect from yes. my phone as much as I can. Because I find that's a slippery slope. Once you respond to parents, like right. 9.30 p.m., like right. that is an invitation like, oh, they check their email at home so I can send them things. So I agree. I think mm-hmm. um, as much as you can kind of disconnecting from work virtually, which is we didn't have that when we were starting out. We didn't have email on our phone that right. we checked all the time. So. I remember we were in the day where you couldn't even go to school. There was right. like one master key. Which, right. And the like, whole oh, staff like, had yeah. to share one master oh key gosh. to get in on a weekend. Right. Now it's like, oh, we can go in whenever. So right. I think it's harder in this day and age, especially if you're just starting out, because, you know, it's hard to balance that when you can always be at work right. virtually. Mm-hmm. And that's, you just have to like, and another thing I find is, I, you know, I don't, punch in punch out but I kind of have set hours that I've made for myself I try to get to work every day within reason by like 7 and I really do watch the clock and I try to leave at 4 4 15 and I try to keep that as a kind of a firm deadline and even like tell people in my family like if I'm not home by a certain time I want you to call a text and just kind of give me an encouragement because I think it's easy to fall into bad habits of just like oh but today I have to get this done and it's okay to walk out the door without everything being done like you'll be there tomorrow and I feel like another thing teachers sometimes don't know is natural is like I think every day you feel like there's something that you could have done differently and that's the beauty of our job is every day we get to redo it and every year we get to redo it and I don't think there's ever been a year where I've done it anything the same way twice and we're very similar in that way so that even when um, you know, we're working in the same math program, for example, or we're doing the same units of study mm-hmm. for literacy. I feel like we always find ways to make it a little different and yeah. we feel comfortable in that. Right. But there is this little voice in my head that keeps saying, oh, you should say that for next year. But then I can <laughs> normally not find it next year anyway. So, yeah. but there's that little inner critic yeah. that's like, oh, yeah. you should have this all organized in binders until you can just do it over next year. But 
I've always okay. I've always felt like it's important to be more natural and responsive mm-hmm. to the kids in the room. Absolutely. Than to have the same show. Yep. Every year. Absolutely. And it's more rejuvenating for you as the individual teacher mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading this article in Ed Week, and there's just some tips about um, when you feel yourself getting burnt out, these are the things that you can do. Excellent. So share um, them with yeah. us. Yeah. So there's top six tips. And the first one is basically embrace chaos. And they even quoted Leonardo da Vinci. And one of the things that he embraced was uncertainty. And like, that's a healthy thing to have. Yeah. I think as teachers, we like to be very certain about everything. Like if you've ever been to a staff meeting, we ask lots of questions. We right. Like to be certain. But there is some freedom and joy in just embracing the uncertainty and going with that. Balance. This is a huge word. I literally tattooed it onto my body when I turned 40. Um, but you have to balance, you know, all parts of your life and don't let one part consume the other. I think it can happen sometimes with your personal life too, sometimes, and that's natural. When things get out of whack, like that can consume our professional life. And I loved how you said, think of something you love and then Mm -hmm. ask yourself the last time you did that. Um, that's something that, that from, from our conversation today, that's going to stick with me. I love that. I love that. It's a great mantra. It is. So finding balance in your life. And just, it's going to get out of whack a lot, but just kind of checking in with yourself and just, is there something you need to let go of one end of your life? Um, the other thing is just to say no sometimes. I know last year I was on zero committees. It was like the most blissful, glorious year. And so, for some that isn't an option, but yeah. for you as your first year in this new building, that was, that was an option for Correct. you and it felt good. It felt good. Like I'm already on one next year, don't okay. worry. <laughs> but it's okay to say no. I feel like sometimes, you know, we get bombarded with requests and like honor yourself and say no. Um, piggybacking on your marigold thing that was really powerful for people. Thanks. And just relationships are so important and just make sure you're seeking out people who have like positive vibes for you. I think it's really easy to fall into traps of finding people who like will have some negativity. And of course that's, you know, that's realistic. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. you're going to have negative thoughts, but really gravitate towards people who are going to build you up and make you feel good about your job because it's a joyful job. We have a privilege Mm -hmm. to be working where we are. Yeah. And gratitude. I think this is a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just sometimes sit back and be thankful and just look around you. You know, we're in just such an amazing city, a community that supports schools like no other. Um, mm-hmm. I've been really blessed to be here. And just sometimes I'm just really grateful for where I'm at. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a teacher my whole life. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm living a dream. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and to find like-minded people yeah. to help bring that out yeah. of us and remind us to to think that way. And it's not always going to be perfect. Like, I've yeah. never had the perfect day. Right. It will never happen. Mm. I'm not even seeking it. But just to be grateful. Find mm. something every day that you're grateful of. Like It could be like a silly joke someone said. Or like, I don't know, first graders have really funny knock-knock jokes. <laughs> I'm grateful for that, even though sometimes I'm in a hurry. So I guess that's my big takeaway is just I love it. balance. I love it. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And um, your thought kind of leading up to this conversation about something that you really felt like needed to be heard. Absolutely. Um, So before we leave, I have two kind of closing questions that um, I want to pose. Mm -hmm. The first one is, what advice would you have for someone entering their first few years of teaching? And then the flip side, the second part of that is, what advice do you have for someone entering their last few years in the profession? Yeah. So my first 
if you're first starting out, I would say be gentle with yourself. I think it's really, it's a hard job. And a lot of us veterans are like, yeah, it is really hard. Like we just nod our heads and smile because we've been through everything with, that you're going through. Just knowing that it's a wonderful profession and you will get wiser every year and you're going to make mistakes and, and that's okay. Be gentle. Um, and for my, if you're a veteran teacher, my advice is to keep trying new things and keep helping out with committees. I know I've talked to a lot of people who are nearing the end and they're like, oh gosh, I'm done with all these committees. Like I'm, I'm not going to be part of that anymore. And I think it's kind of a sad thing because there's so much wisdom with years and that's the kind of influx that some of, you know, certain committees and people need to hear in meetings. Because sometimes that pendulum of education shifts and, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, we did that before. Mm -hmm. We need to hear voices saying, yep, we did that before. Because I feel like sometimes people kind of, you want to let someone else kind of take over and have the, the spotlight, you know, for lack of a better term. But I think when you're exiting, those years are where you have the most wisdom. Yeah. And I think we don't necessarily do a good job of honoring that in I education. Right. I so feel like... As fellow teachers, we really honor that and respect mm -hmm. that. I'm not sure if systems always mm -hmm. do, but um, I I can think of a few people that we've worked with that um, we still rely on their wisdom. Oh, still to this day, um, and yeah. how important it is for them to continue to share and voice up their their thoughts and um, opposing uh, viewpoints, mm -hmm. if that's the case. Yeah, um, because it. It really is needed and valid. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say they, if you're kind of an older teacher too, you need to be gentle with yourself too. Because mm. I feel like sometimes, oh, I should have known that. Or I don't I feel like sometimes even older teachers are really critical of themselves and their performance. And I think everyone needs to just know that you, you go in, you try your best every day. And like there's a lot out of our control, but you can control your attitude. Well, thank you, Jill. This was so much fun. I'm so it glad we had so a chance to do this. Um, so today, I just want to thank my my guest, Jill, for joining me. Um, if you have the privilege of knowing Jill or being a student or part of the family that gets to work with her, um, you are so incredibly lucky. So um, this has been a blast. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. And, yes. um, and I'm hoping to be back someday in a future yes. episode. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. For more information, you can reach me at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, My Teacher Friends Podcast. Be sure to tell friends, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review the show. And until next time, remember, celebrate every child every day. <laughs>